Well, we've been roaming through Romans, as you know, in our Sunday morning messages, and I was given a portion that, to preach on this morning, which uh, really ties in well with our 2020 experience. Many thought 2020 was going to be a year of great vision, 2020 vision. Heard all kinds of messages in January about how much vision we're going to have for this year. Well, <laughs> a vision is, a, is a, mostly of our living room, but... Uh, but uh, things have changed now. 2020 in, in vernacular now has become a bit of a curse word uh, because of the things that are going on. But I appreciate Bob's word today about perspective because it is a time where we do need to have a little bit of faith and see the bigger picture that uh, in all these things, God is still at work. And this morning, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 8, verse 18 to 30. And I'm going to be reading it from the New Living translation, but before we read it, I want to tell you what we're going to be drawing from this passage so we can kind of hear some things as we go through, but also this will be an outline for today's message. Uh, from this passage of scripture, I want to look at five things. Number one, the purpose of God in creation. Small subject. Uh, the problem, number two, the problem of sin in the fall. Number three, the provision of God in salvation. Number four, the promise of future glory and redemption. And number five, the process of God's dealing with man. Let's uh, read from Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 18 to 30. And we're looking at the New Living Translation here. Maybe a little bit different spin on it. Yet what we suffer now is nothing. <laughs> That's just what I needed to hear, God. It don't seem like nothing. Later on, Paul will say, this light affliction, which endures for a moment. Well, it's all about perspective, isn't it? It's about perspective because these words light and these words for a moment uh, really are comparative words. That is, it's light compared to what? It's short compared to what? Well, to eternity, it's short. A moment. Light, well, to something that, you know, is this... A microphone light or heavy? Well, it depends upon what you're comparing it to. If you're comparing it to this piece of paper, it's heavy. If you're comparing it to this podium, it's light. And he says, "We yet now we what we suffer is nothing, what compared to the glory he will reveal to us later." So, compared to what's coming, we don't even think about this. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day, future day, when God will reveal who his children really are. Creation had a bit of a problem when Adam fell, verse 20, against its will, against whose will? Against creation's will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. Creation didn't do anything wrong, but they received a curse based on this fall of Adam. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we all know that all creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth right up until the present time. We're going to see a lot of groaning in this particular portion of Scripture. Creation groaning, <clears throat> waiting for something to come forth. <clears throat> verse 23, and we believers also groan. <laughs> All those groaners out there said, amen, listening to too many dad jokes, I know. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, 
future glory, even though we have the Holy Spirit, even though we have this foretaste of things to come, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. And the older I get, the more that scripture becomes true. We too wait eager with eager hope for the day, for that day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies, hallelujah, he promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. I'm going to skip the parentheses and go down to verse 26. We were given this hope when we were saved, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. That's before we get this glorified body, we got the Holy Spirit to help us. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings. Now we got the Holy Spirit groaning. We got creation groaning. We got believers groaning, and now we got the Holy Spirit groaning with that cannot with words that cannot be uh, that cannot be expressed in words. Verse twenty-seven, <clears throat> and the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. God has a will. God has a plan. God has a purpose, and the Holy Spirit is uh, praying for us that we will be able to walk in that purpose. And achieve that purpose. Verse 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself and having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Can you say amen? So the Holy Spirit is able to help us in our weakness and make it possible for us to become everything that God in Christ has made it possible through his redemptive work for us to become. Uh, let's look at our outline here. We're going to look first of all at the purpose of God in creation. Paul talks a lot about creation here, but... All of this is part of God's great and grand purpose. God created man because God is a God of love. God was dwelling alone. Things were fine. No problems. But when you are a God of love, um, you can't just dwell alone. Even God said it's not good for a man to be alone. He was talking to Adam, but he, he was the one saying it. He had no desire to dwell alone in eternity because he's a God of love. And because he's a God of love... <clears throat> he desired an object on which to bestow that love. He desired relationship with other intelligent, free will beings. All the moms who are raised small children says, amen. I'd like to have some fellowship with other intelligent, free will beings. But God, see, he has a heart of a father, which is a heart of love. And I understand that sometimes our father, view of fatherhood has been perverted by what we see today, but the true reality is that the heart of a father is a heart of love. God declared his purpose <clears throat> from the very first chapter of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, and he, des he desired all of the things that a father of love might desire. As a true father, he desired to have a man in his image. He desired to have many offspring, just like Abraham wanted many offspring. That's in the God's heart. 
As a true father, he desired to have a relationship with his offspring, not just have children, but actually see them become your friends and your and associates. As a true father, he desired his offspring to not stay as babies, but to come to full maturity. As a father, he desired his offspring to come into his work or become a partner with him. And this is why he gave him dominion over the, the earth to help hone that partnership and ability to rule and reign, which one day we will rule and reign with him forever. As a true father, he desired a bride for his only begotten son. So man was the, to be the object of God's love and the fulfillment of his father's heart. He was not created to be a puppet. He was not created to be a machine or a robot. But none of these things would have had a free will, and therefore they would not have been able to reciprocate the love of the creator. It's hard to love a robotic dog or for that robotic dog to give you love. Man was created to be responsive, affectionate, and intimate with his creator. That's the purpose of God in creation. Number two, we have the problem of sin and the fall. Sin affected man and creation alike. When man sinned, several things happened immediately. The conscience of man was activated. All of a sudden, the Bible says their eyes were open. They didn't know sin up until that point, but all of a sudden, they violated God's law, and suddenly, there was a new awareness of sin. When man sinned, man recognized a need for a covering. They realized that they were naked. Well, they didn't think about that before, but suddenly there was shame. Suddenly there was exposure. When man sinned, man recognized his need for a covering, and so they wove some coverings for themselves to cover their shame and to cover their nakedness. When man sinned, man was cut off from direct fellowship with God. Up till that point, it seemed like God came and visited them every day, and there was unhindered communication between Adam and Eve and, and their creator. But now they uh, fled, or they, they ran out from the presence of God. When man sinned, man became fearful of God. Instead of longing to see God, they, want, they didn't go looking for God. In fact, they hid from God. And that's what it's like when we sin. We cut ourselves off from Fellowship with God, the ultimate experience of hell will be to be separated eternally from the presence of God. When man sinned, death passed on all men. Romans talks about this. Thus, deaths, when Adam sinned, death spread to all men. When man sinned, man's spirit and mind was darkened. Uh, Ephesians tells us that man's mind, the futility of their mind, they were they were alienated from the life of God. Their understanding was darkened. So man's living in a fog. He's living in the dark. When man sinned, man's physical body became susceptible to sickness, disease, and death. When man sinned, creation itself fell under a curse. God said in Genesis 3, Cursed is the ground because of you. All the problems, all the thorns, all the thistles, all of these things uh, spring up and all the things that cause us so much difficulty in our labor and so much difficulty in our work, they all came from this rejection of God. I'd like to read Romans 8, 19 to 22 one more time, particularly as it relates to creation. 
For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against, his, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until the present time. Back to our outline number three, the provision of God in salvation. There is a provision that God has given to us for this terrible condition in man. Jesus came as the answer to man's sin condition. He came as the last Adam, a new race who was in the very image of God. He reflected the character of God. He was in perfect harmony with the will and purpose of God. He lived a life that was absolutely unobstructed in its relationship to the Father as the Son of God. He lived a flawless life as the first Adam. That first Adam could not live it. And was will, Jesus was willing to offer himself as a sacrifice to see all those who were born of Adam to be able to find their way back to God. He took our place. He endured God's judgment in our place. He offered us his righteousness as a free gift. And when we repent of our sins, we receive him as our Savior. We can be restored back to God. Point number four, the promise of a future glory in redemption. We don't talk about this enough. Romans 8, 18, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Down to verse 23, and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. What we have now, however good it might be in the Holy Spirit, it's only a foretaste. It's only a appetizer. It's only a down payment on what we will receive in the future. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give our full, us our full rights as adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. So this highlights the different aspects of redemption that comes to us in Jesus. We are threefold being, spirit, soul, and body. And God's salvation deals with each of these three different areas at different times. Salvation of our spirit man comes when we are born again and our spirit is united with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. Our spirit is saved. It'll never be more saved than it is today. It is totally saved and in right relationship with God. But in the next stage, our soul life is also in the process of being saved uh, through a process called sanctification. Salvation comes to our soul as we submit to the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to see our mind, our will, our emotions come into line with the purposes of God. This is an ongoing process that extends from the present until the second coming of Jesus. Unless some of you get perfected early, which, according to my experience, isn't going to happen anytime soon. Ultimately, salvation is going to come to the third aspect of it, spirit, soul, and body, to our bodies, physical body of man at the second coming 
of Jesus Christ. This is where all of the promises of God are realized in their fullness. This is when we take on our new glorified body, which is fashioned according to Jesus' resurrection body. And everybody said, amen. We don't open the door for anybody anymore. We just walk through the wall. This will affect both the children of God and creation itself. All creation is groaning. Paul speaks of the earth groaning under the effects of the curse, but when Christ returns, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Sickness, disease, suffering, pain, hallelujah, will be done away with. We will receive new glorious bodies fashioned like his glorious body that will not be subject to all of our present weaknesses and vulnerabilities. Philippians says it this way in verse 3, 20 to 21, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior. For the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that we may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able to, to even subdue all things to himself. So he's going to transform our lowly body, that we can be conformed to his glorious body. So that is our promise of future glory that comes to us through the resurrection. Our last point, which isn't quite as exciting, is the process of God's dealings with man. How do we get from A to B? Or how do we get from suffering to glory? Well, the title of this message is Sufferings Precede Glory. As born-again believers, we are currently in a process of sanctification. We're in the process of becoming all that God in Christ has made it possible for us to become. We call this process, we could call this process the dealings of God. God uses tools like adversity, affliction, suffering, trials, tribulations, pressure, distress, persecution, famine. Don't you just love it? Dr. C.S. Lovett said this, when I'm getting the worst of it, God is making the most of it to see that I get the best of it. God's purpose in every trial is to do us good in the end. In the children of Israel, they were in Egypt, Deuteronomy 8. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known. What? To humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. God has a vision for the end. The process is not always fun, but the end is not worthy to be compared. The glory is not, we, it's not worthy to compare what we're going through now to what we will receive later. So our afflictions can actually work for us. Bill Gothard said, God does not permit adversity in our lives for the purpose of defeating us, but for the purpose of benefiting us. Our afflictions can work for us. 2 Corinthians says it this way, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. How many experience that once in a while? Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. There's no stop to where we can grow in our inward man. For our light affliction 
which endures for a moment, is working for us. Far more, an eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen. Who says we don't? That's all we look at. We do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. God's more interested in the eternal part of us than he is in the physical part of us. He knows we're going to get a new body, so that's a done deal. So go ahead and kill us, God, if you need to. But afflictions can test our lives in various ways. Number one, they can test our, the foundation, the strength of our foundation. We know the story of the two builders. We won't take time to read it, but one built on a rock, one built on the sand. It was when the, they still both stood together, I'm sure, for who knows how long, but finally there was a, a storm big enough and the wind strong enough that tested what is this house built on. Not for the purpose of bringing destruction, but for the purpose of, okay, what happens when your house blows over? You build it right this time. But it reveals the cracks. It reveals the issues. Number two, they can test, afflictions can test the genuineness of our faith. Peter said this, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, <laughs> seems like a long time, if need be, you have grieved been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God's interested. It's, it's going to come out good in the end. It's going to benefit us in the end. The third thing here is that they can test our motivation and our work. Paul talks about how we build. Are we building on gold, silver, and precious stones or are we building with wood, hay, and stubble? The fire itself will reveal it. When we go to the fire, we'll find out what are we actually building on. And it'll test our works. Are they, are they gold birthed by God? Silver that come as a result of redemption metal in Jesus Christ? Precious stones, which are inspired by the leading and gifts of the Holy Spirit, or are they just so much self-effort? Number four, they can produce Christian character in us. Romans 5. <clears throat> Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. <laughs> sure we do. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that was given to us. Afflictions can also, number five, position us to be more effective in ministry to others. Paul addresses the, the Corinthian believers by saying that I know you're going, you've gone through a time sometimes where you've <coughs> had to experience mercy and comfort. But the thing is, when we do that and the Holy Spirit helps us, we will be positioned so that we will be able to comfort others when they go through their times of tribulation. And sometimes when you go through certain tests, and I know many of you have been through various tests. Some have had the test of cancer. And now when you hear about people who have cancer, you're able to be far more helpful, far more sympathetic, uh, less judgmental perhaps. Or maybe you'll find people that were caught up like we saw this week. Maybe they were uh, in jail because of, of criminal activity. But when they found Jesus and Jesus turned their life around, they were comforted by the Holy Spirit to the degree they're able to help others who were in that same condition. 
So sometimes God is actually positioning us for ministry by taking us through certain things that other people will go through, and now we're going to be able to help them. Pastor Bob talked about a ministry that he feels God has given him to touch people that have been through a lot of depression and different things like that uh, because of some of the experiences that he had growing up and how he believes he's been given a, a mission by God to help these pull these people out of these dark places. Well, that's how it works. And so sometimes the dark places, yes, they lead us to something good in the end if we look up instead of look at all our mess. And then number six, finally, they can lead to a display of God's glory. Paul said this in Romans 8, 18, For I consider the sufferings, 18, of this present time not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. Jesus healed a blind man. Who sinned? Nobody. It was for the glory of God. Jesus waited three days while Lazarus was in the grave. Why? Because he wanted. there was going to be a display of the glory of God. And there is going to be a display of the glory of God. And sometimes it's through our afflictions that that actually comes forth. If you read the book of Acts, you'll find every time the church was persecuted and afflicted, there became a great revival. A lot of people got saved. They wanted people to get saved. They just wanted, didn't want them to do it that way. Well, God's in charge. Our afflictions are part of the all things that work together for our good. Romans 8, 28, we just read it earlier. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. That's, that's a qualifier. Everything doesn't always work out for everybody. Some things just get worse and worse and worse. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. As we accept the call to his purpose and walk in that, we can fully expect that no matter what we go through, somehow, in the end, it's going to be for the better. Sometimes we read this and we translate good to mean comfortable and easy. All things work together for good. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I, I wanted an extra piece of pie, whatever. Comfort, ease. But see, God's definition of good is a little bit different. God's definition of good is often growth and change. All things work together for good. That's for our eternal benefit. Growth and change. So, what is our conclusion? Well, here's, here it is in one short sentence. Count it all joy. <laughs> Count it all joy. James, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If that's your goal, to be perfect and complete, not lacking anything, then count it all joy because God's still working. Some of you remember Howdy Slager. I appreciate him so much. But he was in my spirit-filled life class many years ago. <clears throat> we talked a lot about deep stuff. And every time... Kids got into class a lot of times, and 
I did myself even teaching it, that people were under a lot of conviction. He got up and gave a testimony one time, and he talked about blessed conviction. Blessed conviction. And what he meant by that was it tells me God is still working on me. He hadn't given up on me. He's still working, and he's still speaking to me by his Holy Spirit. Another scripture that comes to mind, and everything gives thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So rather than say, uh, what's going on in, with the world, say, God, what are you trying to do in me that will make me a better vessel to be used for your glory and used for your purpose so that I can be drawn closer to you during this time? And if any of those things are happening, we can embrace the season that we go through because we know how it ends. Glory. New bodies. Eternity with Jesus. Doesn't get much better than that. Amen. Let me pray for you. Lord, we just thank you for this word today. We thank you that your word is given to us so many years ago, but yet it's still so applicable today. We receive it into our hearts today. We receive that spirit of faith that Pastor Bob was talking about. We get a fresh perspective so that we can see what you're truly doing not only with us, but even in all creation, getting us ready for a great wrap-up one day. Help us to stay steady. Help us to, to stay focused. Help us to keep our eyes on you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. Let's thank Bill for that word. Amen. Had a, had a CrossFit coach who was just uh, kind of a psycho a number of years ago and had very early in the morning workouts that were very intense and very long. And uh, he used to say to us, uh, don't be afraid of it. Okay, so what we're going to do, we're going to don't be afraid of it. In other words, you're going into the pain zone. Let's not be afraid of being matured by Jesus. Amen? Let's not be afraid of the workout, the, the contradictions, the pressures. Let's not be afraid of a world that the Bible does not promise us that it's a Shangri-La. Come on, it says it's a rough place. But who's with us? Jesus, amen? Just a couple of things. One, <coughs> excuse me, one is to um, make sure that you check the realm this week and keep your eyes open for the email goes out weekly called this CHC This Week. And it comes out on Mondays, right? You send it out, Brittany, on Mondays, all events taking place this week and updates on things. And also, we've been, I mean, I've been calling on people if they want to join me for fasting and prayer on Thursdays, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., uh, <clears throat> 5 to 7 p.m. in the evening. On Thursdays, you want to join me at home, great. You don't want to do it at all. That's between you and Jesus. I'm just, I just want to dig in and just see us go to a next level. Personally, I'm shaking myself off the blase of this season and all the other factors, getting back to the promises that God is faithfulness. He's still at work, and I know that uh, you want to do the same. So have a great day. It's beautiful out there. Thank you for those at home that joined us. Now, we love you also. God bless you guys. Have a good one.